0: You're listening to the Wellness Insider Network, episode number 53. Welcome to the Wellness Insider Network podcast, a place where you discover how to create a balanced, vibrant, and stress-free life with the right food, herbs, and self-care techniques. I'm your host, Lana Camille. I'm a college professor, drug information pharmacist, and an herbalist. Thank you for joining me on this adventure. Let's get the show started. Hi there. Welcome back. I hope you're having a great week. Whether you've been dealing with seasonal effects on your mood and well-being, like most of us, or you've been feeling a bit of balance with your emotions, today's episode is for you. My guest is Sarah Hannah Silverstein. She is a registered herbalist. She introduces her clients to herbs and teaches them how to include plants into their lives to help them feel stronger and more able to cope with emotional and physical problems and concerns. Sarah Hanna is trained in classical homeopathy and is an international board-certified lactation and breastfeeding consultant. As a doula, she has helped to deliver more than 450 babies. She is an author, columnist, keynote speaker, adult education teacher, community advocate for women and children. She's also a wife and a mother of seven children. By the end of today's episode, we'll explore with Sarah Hanna her thoughts and strategies for improving your mood and emotional health. Enjoy. Hello, Sarah Hanna. How are you doing? Hi, Lana. This is so exciting. It is. I'm so thrilled that you're able to join me. I want to ask you a little bit about yourself. So you're a mother of seven kids. You are an herbalist. You are a homeopath. You have so many different hats that you wear. How did your journey begin? When did you become interested in working with women and children?
1: So... I began my journey with herbs when I was a college student and I suffered from very severe seasonal allergies that ended up being 12 month a year allergies. And I tried allopathic medicine. I had allergy shots. Um, I used all the decongestants and antihistamines and I found them not to make me feel good or comfortable. So I started with herbs and they really started to help me. Once I had a child, I felt like I was not a master herbalist. I was not schooled in medicine. And I really kind of went with the flow of what my doctors were doing. Well, my one daughter started to get chronic strep throat and the antibiotics were not treating it. They were not helping her. And every time we'd give her an antihistamine, she was so young and she'd tell me that her head felt fuzzy and she couldn't concentrate. And at that point, I knew that I had to research something else. And I went back to herbs because I had loved the way it felt with me. And I felt confident as a parent to start experimenting with herbs. And my daughter got better and stopped having strep. I then became a lactation consultant where um, I've had the honor of working with over 25,000 breastfeeding moms. And I was trained in allopathic medicine, conventional medicine. That's how I was trained to treat them. And then I said, you know, women have had breast infections for thousands of years before we discovered antibiotics. Like what would I have done as a midwife of old? And what happened was my clients were thrilled because The herbs and the poultices I was using worked so much quicker and so much more effective than the antibiotics they were using that people started driving two to three hours to meet me and work with me in breastfeeding and pregnancy because I would combine both allopathic with conventional medicine and they really wanted to have choices of using one or the other.
0: Okay, that's wonderful. Thank you. So, um, in addition to your work with women and children, I know that you have been really talking and really educating people about herbal medicine and the beauty and the benefits of herbal medicine. But you're a city dweller. And so you understand very well the, the concerns that come to a lot of us that live in the city. And so I want to pick your brain a little bit on these topics. So, Why do you feel that herbal medicine and natural medicines can be beneficial to pretty much anyone that lives in urban environment?
1: So it's so funny that you bring this up because I was taking herbal classes in Midtown Manhattan with a master herbalist. And people were driving from Connecticut and New Jersey and beautiful rural areas. And my teacher said, if you want to heal a person, see what grows around their house. Because the plants around them are trying to survive with the same stresses that they are. So everyone was really exciting and ooing and aahing. And I went over to my teacher and I stopped my foot and I said, you know, I live in Brooklyn. And if you want to see what grows around me, it's concrete, it's cars, it's pollution. There's a little bit of dog poop. I mean, like, which of those am I supposed to use to heal my clients? And she handed me a Peterson guide and she said, take a walk and open your eyes. And the next morning, I grabbed my very hesitant husband and I said, we're walking through the streets of Brooklyn and we're looking if any herbs grow. And within a two block radius, I found 10 medicinal herbs growing through the cracks in the concrete. Herbs that I had never looked at before, never noticed, never cared about. Now, I'm not gonna tincture and make herbal preparations from a busy street in Brooklyn. But there they were. I mean, there was Shepherd's Purse that helps with women in staining. There was Ginkgo that helps with brain fog and asthma. There was mullen leaves and flowers that helps with winter coughs and ear infections. And I realized that within two blocks, I could make an entire pharmacy that could heal probably 95% of the ailments of people that were coming to me.
0: So I mentioned to you that I teach pharmacy students. Uh, every uh, semester, I bring an herbalist who takes us for a, to a field trip for a walk. And we literally walk around the block and we look at all the weeds that are growing around us. And it's really very humbling and very inspiring, I think, for my students to recognize just how much diversity is around us in the city, in the middle of this concrete jungle. So thank you. Thank you for bringing this up for us.
1: Um, I do medicinal weed walks in Brooklyn and I'm doing a class, um, uh, hopefully in the fall at the Brooklyn Botanical Gardens where I teach. And most people talk about the plants that were planted in the gardens. Mm. And my walk's going to be about everything that was not planted intentionally. So I think it's really also, I agree, awe-inspiring and really humbling to repeat your words, to see that medicine is growing right there for us,
0: right, and that it, it, I think that it's important for us to recognize that things that we really need are right around us. So thank you for that. So uh, Sarah Hannah, you are an author of a new book that is called uh, Moodtopia. So first of all, how did you come up with the title? Why Moodtopia? Is having a positive mood a utopia? What do you think?
1: Yes. Well. I I my husband actually came up with the word mutopia and it kind of really resonated with myself my co-writer and my publisher. And my definition of mutopia is being in control of your moods so they don't control you. So I talk a lot about herbs and essential oils in my book that have been used for thousands of years, but I also have researched, you know, and and delved in deeply into the different philosophies and outlooks on moods. And moods are real. Moods come and go. It's just that when moods kind of hijack us or overtake us and we're not able to get past them to feel success in our work place with our husbands, our mates, our children, that's really what I'm talking about in Moodopia is recognizing your moods, honoring your moods, knowing they're real, but not necessarily letting them dominate you. Now, I have a chapter in the book called Fake It. Now, most modern psychologists would say, fake it. We've spent hundreds of years opening ourselves up so we can, you know, say what's on our mind. And my philosophy is like this. If you're having a really horrible day and everything is falling apart and your kids get home from school, it's not really fair that you should then inflict the mood that the day created for you on them. So. I feel that as adults, we need to learn to acknowledge our moods, maybe put them on the shelf for a couple hours, put on a fake smile for our children, really try to be there for them. And then at the end of the day, go back and reevaluate what the day was like. What are those moods? So I'm not saying that we repress our moods, but you know, if you're sad and You need to be excited about something at work. That sadness is true and real, but is it going to work for you at that moment? And can you get the skills to push past that mood and revisit it later? And that's the skills that I give in my book, Moodtopia.
0: So can you talk a little bit more about these skills? What are some of the strategies uh, that you want people to learn from your book? What are some of the ideas where you think that uh, would be helpful to the emotional health, to the mood of someone who is reading your book?
1: So I have a chapter in there where I talk about random acts of kindness. Now, you know, it's such an interesting thing, random acts of kindness, because, you know, I, I I quoted a mentor in the psychology field, and he said that, you know, to give a poor person a meal, you don't have to be in a good mood. And that poor person that's receiving that mood doesn't really even care what's going on with you. The bottom line for that person is, is that you've helped them out. So. Studies are showing that random acts of kindness lower people's blood pressure, not the receivers, the givers. It also reduces cortisol levels and increases pleasure hormones in your body. So if you're going through really tough times in your life, everything you're experiencing is nice. I mean, it's not nice, God forbid, is, is appropriate. But for you to walk around grumpy and angry is not going to fix the situation. So if you're having a hard day, just begin by practicing holding the door open for someone, letting someone in if they have their turn signal in as you're driving. Maybe hand a homeless person, besides some money, maybe a protein bar and a and a bottle of water. And, and what happens is when people take on... Um, random apps of kindness as a hobby, they find that a couple months later they have better tools and are able to handle the stresses in their life. So that's an inexpensive and easy way to start feeling healthier emotionally.
0: That's great. So um, I know that part of the book talks about the fact that it takes about three months to start rewiring your system or 90 days for you to really see the benefits of learning these different tools, learning these different strategies. Could you talk to, uh, to us a little bit about that? Well, I know
1: from my experience of helping women with fertility and hormonal cycle challenges, that it takes a minimum of three months for the body to rebalance itself. So when we are used to being angry or sad or frustrated all the time, it's our go-to reflex. And habits are really hard to change. So I'm a big fan of talk therapy, but what I found, and I'm not, I am advocating, everybody should have a therapist, everybody should have a mentor, but what I have found with clients that come to me is that after they've done years and years of talk therapy, they may have problem solved, you know, maybe just some acts of ideas of getting along with their husbands better, or maybe their children better, or their coworkers, but it doesn't, tend to change the chemical reactions that are having in their body. They're still getting migraines. They're still getting stomach aches. So when you take on a handful of the suggestions in my book, along with maybe a couple herbs, you will feel after 90 days that you don't react as strongly to frustrations as you did in the past, and you'll be able to stay calmer in stressful situations, because a lot of the suggestions in my book are really from the outside in for instance, I talk about the benefit of laughter now in certain parts of the world they have something that 's called laughter yoga now it's really hard to laugh when you're going through rough times it's really you may not even feel like laughing laughing, but if you induce even fake laughter what studies are showing is that it lowers cortisol levels and our goal with living such stressful lives is to reduce our cortisol levels so if you're having a horrible day and you know you watch 20 minutes of a comedy and you sit quietly somewhere and allow yourself to laugh out loud your body will have less stress in your body and that's what i'm looking for
0: Thank you. That sounds really powerful. So uh, in addition to the lifestyle modifications that you are recommending in your book, um, you also mentioned that you are talking about a handful of herbs, perhaps some aromatherapy, any other categories of things that you're typically recommending to someone who is struggling with uh, emotional health or mood disorders?
1: Well, you know, I talk in the book Moodtopia about the impact of color on our moods. And, you know, I tell the story in my book about a woman that had first given birth to a stillborn and with her second baby, she was, I helped her get through reducing her milk after the stillborn. And she called me very enthusiastically after her second child. And she said, I gave birth to a healthy child and my baby's breastfeeding well, and I want to come into the office." just to show you what a great breastfeeder my baby is and she came in and the baby was a horrible breastfeeder the baby was barely taking in a half an ounce the baby was not proficient at the breast and I had to be honest with her I mean I'm a medical practitioner and I looked at her and I said we're gonna fix this baby we're gonna fix this situation but your baby's really not the best breastfeeder and she started sobbing and then she started laughing and she said you know Everything is horrible today, but there's only one good thing in this office. And she said, that's the only good thing is that I'm dressed in my color palette and I look fabulous. And I looked over to her and she was not a beautiful woman. She was a little bit heavy and she was wearing this gorgeous forest green skirt and this beautiful rust sweater. And she had this stunning lipstick on and she looked radiant and it hit me in that moment that as superficial as it may seem on the first sound of it to wear colors that that enhance the way you look and make you feel good may not have the impact that it does but color really changes things so if you're going through a struggle in your life You need to pull out of your closet some blouses or shirts that are a bright yellow or a dynamic turquoise or a deep purple. Because when you look in the mirror, even if times are rough, those colors radiate energy and those that energy can really help boost your mood. And if you're stuck in a little cubicle at work and it's really sad, you need to Get as much color around you as possible because studies, again, show what an impact color has. Advertising agencies know this. They know that you have about 30 seconds to look at a package. And they'll tell you that color and the effects of color can change your decision within a snap of the dime. So I encourage my clients to indulge in colors. Find the colors that make them feel good. There are color therapists out there that will give you a palette of colors that work with your skin tone and your eye tone and your hair tone. And I can tell you in my experience working with women who are struggling to keep their emotions in balance, when they get their color palettes done, they just feel better every day.
0: I so much love this message. Thank you for this. It's so uplifting. And it's, I completely agree with you that, um, you mentioned earlier that faking it, faking the idea of being in balance and being presence and. Attracting as much energy, positive energy to yourself as possible is something that will elevate you and something that will help you to overcome whatever it is that you're dealing with. Um, one area of your book is, uh, relates to intuition. And I want you to talk a little bit about this because intuition is something that we often struggle with. We, we know that there is science. We know that there is thinking. We know we are very rational most of the times. But how does intuition come into our lives and why is it so important to our moods
1: so in Mootopia, i talk about how getting in touch with your intuitive self as i call it takes work it's not like you can wake up one morning and go whoa i really want to tap into my intuitive self like becoming proficient at anything, whether you want to be a mathematician, you want to, you know, be a gymnast, you have to really work at these skills. So what happens with intuition is like we can put our child in a class and we can hear that this is the best third grade teacher but when we meet the third grade teacher we feel in our gut in the pit of our stomach that this is not going to work for our child but like this is the best teacher and everyone says I'm so lucky so we tend to not switch our child and then when it's like two months into the semester and we go to the principal they're like well if you had told us in the beginning we could have switched your child out it's a little bit late so what I tell my clients is is that they need to start Becoming a little bit more aware in the present moment because most of us are either living in the past and regretting all those mistakes we made, or we have our dreams in the future about you know what we want our life to look like in six months. So, one of the things I talk about in the book Mootopia is thinking like a spy. So spies have to I've never been a spy but I'm I'm fascinated by spies and I read about <laughs> their training and when you walk into a room spies learn to find out immediately where are the exit doors where are the windows how many phones are in the room who are in the room what does the ceiling look like where are the air conditioning vents so they become very self-aware and they have what is called 360 awareness And when my clients that are struggling to be in control of their moods, they tell me all the time that they feel like they're in brain fog and they just decisions are hard for them. And when we practice this 360 awareness, they become more aware of the smells in the room the sights, the colors, the shadows in the room, and then they become more aware of themselves. And what what am I feeling in this moment? Do do I like this person? Do I feel this person is a little bit intimidating? You know, what, what do I feel? Do I like this restaurant I'm in or do I like the one down the street better? And when people become more aware of their surroundings, it allows them to become more self-aware and when you're really more self-aware not worried about you know what what social media is thinking not worried about you know what the latest fashion magazine is thinking then their intuitive self comes alive and becomes a part of their everyday experience and really becomes their best friend I mean they can just sit there and say okay I just had a first blind date I mean I know He's super handsome and makes lots of money. What am I really feeling? And that's where women and men need to be when they make decisions.
0: How do you remind yourself to be more self-aware in the moment? I mean, I
1: I find with my clients that we need to go from the outside in because we most, especially city dwellers, are Just so overwhelmed with finding parking, dealing with traffic, you know, trying to get the, you know, most inexpensive prices of food, and you know, they just are so inundated that if you can just stop, and I know it sounds ridiculous, and just, you know, the old statement, just smell the roses, you know, just, just look at the way the light is, you know, reflecting off a building, just, you know, stop for a minute and. Feel both your feet grounded in the ground, just relaxing your shoulders. You know, people really want to get into meditation, but it's so hard for so many people. But like, just at a red light, take a deep breath. And I find when people start doing these things on the outside, that they become more aware on the inside.
0: I absolutely love this, uh, this idea and this recommendation. Thank you for that. So I have a question for you that relates to some of your favorite resources. So I know that your book uh, has lots of different suggestions, but other things that you would recommend to our listeners, perhaps other books, maybe companies, products, websites that you um, strongly recommend or that you, whose products you enjoy, perhaps as they relate to mood or in general.
1: So maybe this is a good time to just talk about Herbs, because I am an herbalist. And I, I really feel that if people find one to four herbs that work for them, that it's something they can carry in their briefcase, in their backpacks, in their purse, in their luggage, and they can take them As they need. So when you work with an herbalist, and I take a history, I usually spend at least an hour and a half with a client taking their complete history, and then I come up with an herbal combination that I feel is going to address you know, there are many different emotional challenges. In my book, Moodtopia, I introduce each of these herbs singly because I want people to get a feeling and not everybody's going to be able to work with an herbalist. But if we take depression and in the book, I like to call it melancholy. um, People that are in that state, some will overeat some lose their appetite completely. Some people will sleep all the time. Other people will have insomnia. Some people, when they're depressed, they become exercise-aholics and they're in the gym way too much. And other people become couch potatoes. So what I like with herbs is that herbs will help different people in different emotional places. Like for instance, skullcap, is one of my favorite herbs for people that are struggling with nervousness, um, agitation, frustration, anxiety. Skullcap is in the mint family. Um, You can drink it in a tea. I personally like my herbs in tincture, which is liquid form. I am not a fan of herbs in capsules because I feel they dry out too quickly and it's hard for them to stay fresh on the shelf. So, Skullcap, for instance, is an herb that if you get knots in your stomach from agitation or you scream too much, yell too much, get angry too much, um, skullcap is an herb that you can take two to three times a day in tincture form. It's very portable. I like it di- diluted in a little bit of water and there are many herb companies out there, um, If you'd like me to mention some names, I like herbalists and alchemists. Um, Our mutual teacher, David Winston. I like the herbs, Herb Farm. These herbs, to me, are well-produced, have long shelf life, and are very safe to use. An herb like motherwort is an herb for hormonal moodiness. And I feel with women, women can be moody before their cycle, during their cycle at the end of their cycle and in between and it helps balance the hormones it doesn't change the way they work in the body but it balances them so women can feel less grumpy and you know it's so funny because years ago I had a man in my office and spent an hour and a half with him and He just sounded like he needed the herb motherwort. But when I learned about it, it was like only for women. So I took a plunge and I suggested that he used it. And a couple weeks later, he and his wife said that he'd been so much less moody and so much easier to live with. So I called my teacher at the time and I said, oh, my gosh, did I break every rule in the book? I just gave a man motherwort and it worked beautifully. And she said, no. You didn't bre- break any rules. You just opened up the door so no more herbalists can understand that motherwort is not only for women. So that's a story that I love to say. So when you include these herbs in your life, they're not going to change when bad things happen to good people. And we all know, and this is a whole nother show, that bad things happen to good people. But good people, when bad things happen... They want to have tools to feel more in control of handling the challenges that they have. And Skullcap and Motherwort are there. And even if you're not having a tragedy, you know, to another person, just going shopping at a, at a crowded grocery is enough to make them nervous and agitated or, you know, just like finishing a good book. Like, what am I going to read next? So Skullcap and Motherwort is not only for crisis, it's for everyday use.
0: Okay, great. Thank you very much. Um, So, as we are coming to an end of this interview, I have a few more questions for you. So, uh, how can someone continue learning from you and about you? And my uh, last question is, what are some of the uh, parting words of wisdom that you would like to leave this audience with?
1: Thank you. So, I... I have a website. It's That's sarachana.com. That's S A R A C H A N A.com. And of course, my book, Mootopia, is available all on the internet, all over the place. And I also am on Instagram. That's sarachana.s. s, am on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. And as I become more involved in social media, my goal is to help educate. People out there, because I think that everyone wants to know how to integrate alternative medicine with conventional medicine. I get a lot of messages now through social media Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and email through my website. And either myself or my office staff try to answer every question that we get. And for parting words, you know, I wish that moods were taught to kindergarteners, elementary, junior high, high school and college students. I wish that the there were more discussion about how there are some people that just seem to manage their moods beautifully and then we have on the other extreme people that have road rage and god forbid shootings and people that are committing suicide these days and then we have people that are in the middle and I think that everybody including the people that appear to have it together and the people on the end of the spectrum that are really not coping and everybody in between need to learn that being in control of your moods takes work. It takes research. What works for your friend may not work for you. That having a mentor to speak to is very important. And that when we have these inside turmoils, there's a lot of Outside things we can do, like we discussed faking laughter, getting some beautiful colors around you, using herbs and aromatherapy. Aromatherapy can make your environment smell better. My my daughter was in the hospital for eight months, and that's a whole other discussion which I speak about in the beginning of Mutopia. And what I did was I just sprayed different essential oils around the room And it made it not smell like a hospital anymore. And even though we were in crisis, we were able to breathe in flowers and and trees and beautiful smells. So even if people are stuck in challenging situations, which people are all over the world, it doesn't mean that they can't gather their skills and their tools to help them feel better. And that's really why I wrote Moodtopia. There's a lot of inexpensive easy-to-use skills, and I'm hoping that it'll help change a lot of people's lives.
0: Sarah Hanna, thank you so much. This is such a powerful message. Thank you for your wisdom. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Pleasure.
0: Thank you so much for joining us today. I hope you've enjoyed this conversation with Sarah Hanna Silverstein. You can find All the links mentioned in today's episode in the show notes at wellnessinsidernetwork.com slash 53. Please subscribe to the show to get future episodes automatically downloaded to your device. Today's episode is proudly brought to you by Tamim Teas. Tamim Teas is a local company specializing in creation of medicinal mushroom teas. Two of my current favorite blends are Lion Maitake Clarity and Rishi Delight. I use them to enhance cognition and for their effects on immune system. few episodes back, I interviewed Liat Racine, the creator of these beautiful teas, about the science and art of mushroom blends. To get 15% off on your first online purchase, please enter the promo code TAMIM4HEALTH and at uh, wellnessinsidernetwork.com slash Tamim before December 1st. You can also get free shipping if you purchase two blends or more. To see this information one more time, head over to the show notes at wellnessinsidernetwork.com slash 53. Thanks again for being here. I appreciate you. Be smart, be healthy, be you.